the Gratitude Podcast, episode 78. I realized that there were really three very powerful forces in life that I had dismissed early on in life uh, as, as kind of like soft, you know, things. Um, and I was always looking for the tactical, tangible, you know, and, and so one of them was hope. I recognize the power that hope has to bring the power of future moments into this one. You know, I, I often say that I don't know whether my son's more excited on Christmas morning or the 30 days leading up to Christmas because <laughs> the anticipation principle is so powerful for us. And having hope and dreams and visions brings power to our present moment. So actually having hope for the future and having a vision or a dream isn't about avoiding the present moment. It's about actually learning how to bring the future into the now. And then it affects what we do in this moment. And I learned the same thing about celebration, you know, looking back and, and remembering things in our lives that were very powerful. Support for this episode comes from Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people like runners, yoga practitioners, vegetarians, vegans, and many more. I recommend Health IQ because I love the idea of being rewarded for having a healthy lifestyle. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash gratitude or mention the promo code gratitude when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com, where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, George Benta. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. With me today, I have John Roman. He is an amazing human being. He's the author of The Front Row Factor, Transform Your Life with the Art of Moment Making. He is the founder of The Front Row Foundation, in which John has spent more than a decade helping children and adults with life-threatening illnesses have a front row experience at the live event, the live event of their dreams. I think it's quite amazing what uh, John has been up to, and uh, also the the perspective that he gives on this, the fact that uh, we can learn a lot about our own life from people that are fighting for their life. I, I really love this and uh, I think we'll have a really fruitful and interesting conversation about his book and about his, the work that he's doing. John, welcome to the Gratitude Podcast. I'm grateful to be here. <laughs> awesome. So um, firstly, I'm really curious what inspired you to, to begin this foundation and to start to do this work? You know, the, the one sentence answer is just a desire to help people. Um, something that I watched my mother and father do growing up and I think was uh, may, maybe, an, you know, born into all of us to some degree. And then uh, also we, we gain inspiration by watching others model that behavior. Um, the slightly more in-depth answer to that is that there was several things that happened in my life all around the same time that sort of led to the birth of that. Uh, one of which was I was part of a community that was very focused on giving back and challenging its members to give back. And so I had this 
question in my mind of how did I want to make an impact in the world? And I think that question is very powerful for all of us to be asking because we never know when the answers are going to present themselves. The second thing that happened, uh, which gave me the idea of being in the front row and how empower that, how empowering that could be, was that I was at a concert. And I remember watching people in the front row and how different that experience seemed to be for them than the people in the back row. And I thought, isn't that interesting that it's the same band in the same moment of time, but people are having drastically different experiences. And I thought that's just a different way of living life. You know, you could live life in the front row. And to me, that's not just about exactly what seat. It's about, um, um, it's, it's a philosophy of life. It's about getting close to the people, places, things, and thoughts that make us come alive. So I had this idea looming in my head. And then the third thing that happened was a buddy and I were training to do an ultra marathon, which was a 52.4 mile run. I don't know what that translates to in kilometers, but um, it was a big run for me because I'd never run distances before. And we talked about raising money for a charity. And then that conversation turned to, well, what if we started a charity? Like, what if you, if you were to create the perfect charity, what would it be? And it started out as just a fun conversation and led to the birth of Front Row Foundation. <laughs> so um, I think what had happened was there were several things that all came together in one period of time. And it was just the right moment of my life. Um, I had achieved some level of success in, in, in a corporate position. And it was just looking for more purpose and meaning behind my day-to-day actions. And uh, that was the birth of the charity. That's amazing. I, I love the story and I love how everything seemed to fall into place at the right moment. And yeah. Um, so on, on the charity itself, so on what it actually did, where did you get the inspiration from? Because it's for me, I was thinking, where, where could that, the, the source be of that? Mm. Uh, because Yeah, it's something that you, you, you need to be very empathetic to, to be able to feel that, uh, that thing somehow. That's right. You know, that came by exploring what did I fear and what did I love? So if I wanted to solve a problem in the world, I needed to know what lit me up inside. <clears throat> Howard Thurman has a famous quote, which you've likely heard many times. It's, uh, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is for people to come alive. And that really resonated with me in the sense of like, there's so many good causes and there's so many places that you can put your time and attention. And it's hard to measure good deeds, like which one is more important than another, you know, because you could argue that um, creating clean water is the most uh, important step for all of us to address. Um, and, and I would still say that the mother that's at home right now raising her children is doing a very important job in the world also, that we all play a role. And for me, I had to get clear about what was it that really motivates me and makes me feel alive. And my fear was actually <clears throat> wasting my life. My fear was getting to the end of my life and looking back and saying, I wish I would have. And, and feeling like I missed the moments in life. And my greatest love was when I made the most of my moments, when there were experiences and stories and um, triumphs and even tragedies that turn into triumphs. But they were, they were moments that were meaningful. And so I thought, well, what if I help people 
who have their life being threatened to have one of the best moments of their lives. But then what if we don't stop there? What if we actually created a culture and a community, what we call our front row family, which helps people to live every day in the front row, no matter how many days they have. And so the purpose, when I, when I figured that out, I was like, oh, I, f- I now know why I went through everything in my life because my corporate position was actually uh, creating incentives and motivating people. And um, my, my corporate position was creating live events that people were unforgettable. And I didn't wow. realize I was in training for my life's work. Uh, at the time, you know, you know, people have said you can always connect the dots looking back, but in the moment, you don't know why it's all happening the way it is. But you know, my corporate position was training for that, and um, you know, and and ultimately these experiences that I had, I just started sitting in silence and looking for, well, what is it that I'm called to do? What is it that I can do better than anybody in the world? Perhaps what is it that I do when time flies? And then also, what can I do where I can make money? So I can take care of my family. And part of, you know, part of my income is I get paid as a keynote speaker to travel around and talk to companies about how to be moment makers, how to make the most of their time, no matter how difficult their circumstances might be in any given moment. Uh, I, you know, I, I now get a chance to lead the front row dads group, which is a great uh, cause, but all that spurred from the charity, which is really interesting because a lot of times people will build a business and then figure out how to give it away later. And this was the reverse where I built a charity first and then figured out how to, how to make uh, my business and that the charity work together seamlessly. That's amazing. That's amazing. So uh, what I'm also curious about, and uh, I'm sure that our listeners are also how does how did this impact you personally like how um, how did it change your life yeah it's i love that question i really do and it's fun to look back and think about the impact that i wanted to make on others but ended up happening to me <laughs> um how transformative uh that process was for me so you know a couple of things and i wrote about these in the book extensively but when i look back on these 12 years of creating these experiences for, for children and adults, I realized that there were really three very powerful forces in life that I had dismissed early on in life uh, as, as kind of like soft, you know, things. Um, and I was always looking for the tactical, tangible, you know, and, and so one of them was hope. I recognized the power that hope has to bring the power of future moments into this one. You know, I, I often say that I don't know whether my son's more excited on Christmas morning or the 30 days leading up to Christmas because <laughs> the anticipation principle is so powerful for us. And having hope and dreams and visions brings power to our present moment. So actually having hope for the future and having a vision or a dream isn't about avoiding the present moment. It's about actually learning how to bring the future into the now. And then it affects what we do in this moment. And I learned the same thing about celebration, you know, looking back and, and remembering things in our lives that were very powerful. That doesn't mean you live in the past. It doesn't mean you're avoiding the, the present. It means you can actually strategically learn how to celebrate what has occurred, which also gives you a different feeling in the present moment. So in other words, you know, it's like a celebrating an anniversary with a spouse or a birthday with a child. The birth happened in the past, but we celebrate that because we want to be reminded of something that's very important. And so when, when our recipients uh, complete their front row experience, 
they, and, and a recipient being just an individual who we help to go see an event, when, when, when it's all said and done, we create a photo book and a video for them. And we've heard story upon story upon story about how month after month and year after year, the recipient and or their family celebrates that. And if you imagine that this power of hope for the future and the power of, pa- of the past, which brings past moments into the present, imagine a pendulum like that your, your life is literally like you're constantly floating from the future of what's about to happen or what you want to happen, what just happened and reflecting on that and constantly kind of passing through this present moment. And that, you know, the, the more often that, the, the more that we recognize that's how our lives operate, we can actually be fully present to all of the experiences of the ones that we're looking forward to, the ones that have passed and the ones that we're creating right here and now. So to me, what I've learned is that those three forces uh, play a major role. And then, um, and, and the other piece of that is that what people do with those forces, uh, we wrote about as well, which are the three areas of, of focus that we say put somebody in the front row. So one of those is how they manage their mindset. The other one is how they manage their relationships. And the other one is how their environment affects how they feel and behave. So that's really what I've learned. And that's what we wrote about in the Front Row Factor book which, um, you know, it was really fun to notice all these things because you go, why does this work so well? Why are people so connected to this? What is the impact here? And then you kind of dig in and find, I wish I could tell you we knew all that starting it off, but we didn't. We just sort of had this idea of wanting to help people and we, we kind of figured out the impact that it would have as the years went on. This is awesome. And I think it's the best way to go about it, to, to learn from the experience itself. Like it's, we can try quite a lot to 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 avoid experience but that's that's really the best way to to go about it and like in the, in the sense of planning and uh, making sure everything is going to go in a certain direction but sometimes life uh has other plans and even more beautiful plans like like in in your case but um i know that from all of these experiences one thing that uh for me at least uh, from from what i know about what you were doing was um the fact that people that were fighting for their life were uh, very appreciative they were very grateful mm. and it um it reminds us all that life isn't uh, this long journey uh, so it doesn't have to be this long journey for everyone sometimes things happen and um, that we can choose to see what's really important. And I think these, um, the things that you are doing help us realize that also, isn't it? Yeah. You know, there's, that reminds me of a story of one of our recipients named Nikki, who Mm -hmm. uh, we were going to go, we took her to go see the Dallas Cowboys and her and her husband um, we were in the limousine about to go to dinner and she had said to me, um, and I don't remember how we got onto the subject, but she was commenting that sometimes when she is in public um, because she had lost her hair and whatnot, that people would look at her and she said to me that they would look at her almost with a look of disgust. And when she said that, my heart broke, you know, it was, I felt, I felt sad. I felt angry. 
I felt a lot of the same emotions that somebody else would feel either if they were that person or they were, or they were, they loved that person. Right. Or even if you don't even know that person just crushes you to think that somebody would be uh, judged in that way. And she then said to me, when I see that person look at me with disgust, it makes me happy. And I (laughs) said, happy. Why is that? And she said, I'm happy because if that person looks at me with disgust, it, it means that they have no context for the situation. They've never battled cancer and they certainly don't know anybody who's ever had cancer because if they had, you know, somebody they loved or, you know, that had gone through this, they wouldn't be looking at me that way. So I'm happy that they've never experienced something in life that gives wow. them context to my situation. So I'm grateful for, for, you know, for this moment. And I, I think about that mindset of how grateful we can be for our situations if we give them a, a meaning that is empowering, because really that's what it comes down to is our choice to give any moment a meaning. And so that is what we teach. We teach people how to be moment makers. And sometimes that's by the actions we take. And sometimes it's simply by the meaning that we give. But either way, we choose what each and every moment means to us. We can be grateful for it, whether it's favorable or not, or, or we, can, we can fight it. My friend Cody says there's three outcomes to almost any situation. One is you change your attitude about it. Two, you change your circumstances. Or three, you play the victim. And yeah. so you get a choice at all times of where you want to be with that. And now a word from our sponsor. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like runners, yoga practitioners, vegetarians, vegans, and many more. It's basically like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver. Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. Health IQ is the fastest-growing life insurance company with over $5 billion in coverage, and what's cool about them is that they reduce your chance of being penalized for adverse family health history if you are otherwise healthy. You can't control where you came from, but you can control where you're going. So listen to what Chad had to say about them. My wife and I, she 51, me 48, are very active and Health IQ helped us secure 15 more years of 750000 in life insurance for one-fourth of the prices we were quoted before we stumbled on them. Communication was fantastic, and they really did a great job walking alongside us in a process that went much quicker than expected. I also feel the agent truly worked on our behalf to secure the best ROI for us both. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com gratitude or mention the promo code gratitude when you talk to a Health IQ agent. And now back to our interview. I know that you have many stories and uh, many really deep and meaningful stories. What would the one story that uh, has had the most impact on your life be? Yeah, that's, man, it's always a difficult one to answer because, um, you know, I could tell you the story about uh, Derek, who was in his 30s and went to go see the 76ers play basketball and I wasn't sure he had a really great time because we express our emotions differently, a lot of us. And then he tattooed across his back from shoulder to shoulder after the event, he tattooed live life in the front row. And I'll never forget that, you know, that moment. Um, I'll never forget the moment where 
Thomas K, one of our recipients, was going to go see the Rugby World Cup in New Zealand. And he said that he was going to fight extra hard in physical therapy to stand for the national anthem. And I thought about how powerful these experiences can be in motivating people. Um, I'll never forget Mike, who was 16 and went to this event, was really fighting for his life uh, right as the event was approaching. And in in his final days in the hospital, he was flipping through his photo album, smiling, uh, reminiscing about his day. Um, that motivates me to keep doing what we're doing. You know, I've, uh, you know, a woman who said that her daughter after the front row event, her daughter was never the same. She became more courageous, more bold, you know, really chose to live life in the front row and that that philosophy impacted the way she did everything. And I thought that was a great moment. But the one story that I tell most often, and it was early on in the, in this, with the charity and the work that we were doing was a story of this little girl named Sophie who was four years old. And, um, Sophie lives, uh, outside of, um, outside of PA. In fact, as I say that I remind myself that I need to, I need to call Sophie's mom today. I, I, you know, funny enough as we're, as we're talking about this, um, yeah, so uh, we're still friends to this day, if that's any indication to how we feel about our recipients and their families. Uh, we always say it's a forever thing. Yeah. Um, Sophie, I met back in 2007. And Sophie, Sophie's uh, dream was to go see Kelly Clarkson. So we created this event for, for Sophie to go see Kelly and saw the concert. And, you know, Sophie was, it was late at night. She was falling asleep in her mom's arms. And she didn't know that we had gotten her backstage passes, wow. um, thanks to our good buddy, John Rulin. Amazing guy, by the way, author of Giftology. He's just an amazing human. And he got us backstage through a connection of his. And then we were, uh, we were, we were so Sophie was back there with uh, two of my other friends who were their hosts, John and Mara Bergaff. And they were waiting for Kelly to come in. And Sophie was kind of falling asleep in her mom's arms. And Kelly walks in and goes, hey, y'all. And Sophie like turns around and they lock eyes. And we have this picture of them (laughs) staring at each other. And Sophie with this gigantic smile. And they had this moment that lives on to this day. In fact, um, as I talk to you, about three feet from where I stand right now is Sophie's picture on my wall. And actually six pictures of Sophie on my wall. (laughs) And when I see that, I'm reminded of the power of this event because the tragic part of this story and the part I never like to say at the end is that um, shortly after, and I'm talking within a couple of months, um, Sophie passed away after this experience. And of course, it was heartbreaking for for everybody. Um, And I never forget her mom saying to me that, uh, that she was so grateful for this moment. It was one of the best days of her daughter's life and that uh, this would be a memory that they all would hold on to forever. And that has been the case where we celebrate Sophie's life uh, all the time. You know, we celebrate the, uh, the anniversary of that event every year. <clears throat> her mom said to me that her greatest fear was that Sophie would be forgotten and that uh, keeping her memory alive was very important. Um, I remember our event hosts, John and Mara Berghoff, telling me that when they went to Sophie's funeral, they walked up to the casket, um, you know, to uh, to say some parting words, and and uh, they saw that um, they had laid the backstage pass from Kelly Clarkson on Sophie's body, and man, that just uh, oof! I still get uh, <clears throat> I get a little choked up talking about that because that that for me, 
was, um, you know, it was evidence. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was something that was, we could acknowledge this work was having an impact on our, on the families and that, uh, you know, the families were so grateful that, you know, in their time when they don't have the money and the, and, or the time and energy to, to make these types of events happen, that somebody else would just step in and say, let me take care of everything for you. Let me just handle all the details and let me just create a moment together so that you can love each other, that you can laugh together, that you can forget about what's going on for a moment in time. And you can just, uh, you know, feel joy and get connected. Music moves people, sports moves people, live entertainment makes us feel alive, you know, because it's the here and the now it's happening right in front of us. And I think that's, uh, that's what's really cool about what we do. And that's the impact that we have. Wow. This is, this is just, I, I think it's it's amazing to to know that you're creating such experiences of this world. You know, um, I, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of uh, your recipients and to see the fact that um, they are perceiving the world in a beautiful way thanks to you and uh, thanks to what you've been doing and to the people, of course, that have been supporting the foundation. I know that you've raised millions of dollars uh, for the foundation to be able to to do all of these things and this is just amazing knowing that people got together and uh, were generous enough to support this this type of moment it's it's just amazing we that's exactly what it is you know i i might have helped come up with the idea but I certainly haven't created this um, by myself. This has been a massive team effort. And there's so many people that have played a role in bringing this all, um, you know, to be. And, and I'm so grateful for the team, the front row family, all the donors, the volunteers, the, the staff, uh, the board members, every single person that's ever contributed in any way, shape or form to the Front Row Foundation. It's been, you know, it's been a wild uh, 10 years, a wild decade, a little bit longer than that. And, Looking back, it's you can clearly see how so many hearts and souls came together to make it work. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. But um, how can we, uh, in our day-to-day life, how can we create moments? You know, it, it can be super easy and simple, and it doesn't have to be expensive. And like, you know, the events that we're creating are, are magnificent, and they're very expensive to put on. Uh, there's limousines and dinners and all sorts of incredible things that happen. But in our day-to-day lives, you know, th- those are the moments that, you know, that, that matter as much as any other moment. You know, it's, it's how we, how we, you know, at the end of each day, take a moment to reflect and be grateful for the experiences we have. So we teach people that to ask questions in the morning of what do they want to create today? You know, what would be, what would make it a front row day? What would, how would they step up to life? How would they serve and support their friends? Right. Um, you know, we, we teach people how to ask themselves throughout the day. How can I create a front row moment right now? What would that look like? Maybe it's just holding the door for somebody. Maybe it's asking the, the barista making my coffee <clears throat> what she or he is grateful for, you know, to bring attention to that. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's sending somebody a, a text of love. There's so many easy ways to be a moment maker um, in, in our lives. And I think that some of them happen in, you know, spontaneous small ways. And sometimes they're the most impactful. So 
um, I'll give your audience an, an actionable thing to do right now that I think based on what I've gotten feedback on from the book is one of the most powerful ideas. And that is we have a, we have a phrase in our, in our community called who's in your front row. And this idea of if you're going through life, you want to put the people that are the most supportive, most loving, most caring in your front row. You want them to get the best seat to your life, right? And that's keep them close to you. You also want to be in somebody's front row, which means that you want to put them on stage, make them the rock star and cheer them on. So here's a mission for everybody listening. Today, I want to invite you to take out a pen, a piece of paper, your phones, your computers, and make a list of your eight most important relationships in life. Now, this is personal, professional. It's everybody on the planet. If you had to pick eight and you had to rank them in order of importance from number one through number eight, who would be on your list? Now, first of all, that's a very challenging exercise for people to do. I've had some people say, I couldn't even come up with eight. And I think that's okay. Uh, I've had some, some people say, that's impossible to rank them. I have three children. How do I put one above the other? Mm-hmm. I understand the difficulty of the exercise, trust me. But I also understand the power of this exercise and the impact that it has. Because not only is it important to recognize how you prioritize your eight most important relationships in life, because um, you are prioritizing them in some way, that what I would also invite you to do is to ask yourself, what is their number one dream or goal for the next year? And then to write that down next to their name and then commit for the next you know, 30 days or eight weeks or eight days or whatever feels good to you. I would say for the next eight days, one person per day to reach out to them each day for the next eight days and to encourage them on what their dream or goal is. Or if you don't know what their dream or goal is, which is actually a great indication that we're not showing up for people, we're not living life in the front row. If we don't know the eight most important people in our life, their, their big dream or goal for the year, something is missing and we need to fix that. We need to remedy that. So we need to know what their dreams or goals are. And if you don't know, that's your mission. One per day, ask them what it is and then ask them how you could support them. What would it look like for you to be their number one fan? How can you lift them up, cheer them on, and encourage them to to pursue and to live out their biggest dreams? Because we're all wish granters. We're all dream makers. We're all moment makers in our own unique way. And so we do it on a grand scale by asking people what their dreams are and then helping them make it come true. But we can do that with our friends every single day. Their dream might be to lose weight. Their dream might be to get a promotion at work. Their dream might be to take a vacation somewhere. You keep pinging them throughout the year. Once every two weeks, drop them a text message and say, how's that? How's the gym treating you, right? Hey, when, when's the trip to, so, you know, to this place that you want to take? How, you know, what have you done at work this week that's you know, moving you towards your next promotion? Whatever it is, let's be fans for people. I love it. I love it. And while you are saying it, I, I just uh, realized that I, I did that without uh, actually knowing it. And I'm sure that uh, many of our listeners have done this already, but I, I think that my example might be helpful for them to, to realize it. And to repeat it, of course. So uh, one thing that I did uh, with my brother, I knew that uh, my parents' dream was to visit Vienna. Mm. And uh, 
it was my goal for quite a while to to make this happen for them. And um, the beautiful part about, so we actually did it and it was amazing from many points of view. They were very excited and we we shared so many beautiful moments and uh, they were so grateful that uh, they were able to have this experience. And uh, we still, to this, this day, we, we think about the experiences that we had there and it's is definitely something worth doing. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's wonderful, man. I love that. That's great. Yeah, those memories for a lifetime. You know, that's that's what that's what it's all about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I love the idea of finding out what it is for for the persons, the people that are uh, close to us, because in in one way we show appreciation. We show them that they matter, that we see them, that uh, uh, they might actually need a fan quite That's right. quite strongly. And uh, the best way to do it is to be that person. I, I love it. I love the idea. That witnessing, um, that, that showing somebody that they're worthy of, you know, attention and love and that, uh, you know, the sense of belonging that we create in our community, the, the sense of purpose that we give somebody in any, you know, give to somebody in any moment, that those are precious things um, that we all have the ability to do every single day for the people around us. I love it. I love it. But I wanted to, to get a little more personal. Like, uh, I would like to know what gratitude is for you personally. I think gratitude is... Um, Gratitude is for me, it's a, it's choosing to feel and experience the benefits of my circumstances, my reality, the people, um, the, the situations that I find myself in or that I've created. It's, it's seeking out why, why that matters. So to me, gratitude is a practice. It's a choice. Um, I think it's something that I fail to do <laughs> on a regular basis to be grateful. I, I play the victim role. I start judging too much. I, my ego gets the best of me. I think things should be better than they are or different than they are. I want to control my outcomes. But if I just take a step back and I gain perspective, you know, sometimes it's all just life is just perspective because you know, um, and I remember feeling this in my my early twenties. I had a friends who were um, Orthodox Jews, um, very strict in their practice and their religious beliefs. And one of the things they had told me was that each month, uh, at at a certain time of the month, they don't they don't touch at all. They don't sleep in the same bed. This is a husband and wife we're talking about. I remember asking them. I was like, "Wow, so you're not allowed to touch for whatever number of days?" I said what might, what, what is it like when you are allowed to touch each other? And like, it's amazing. It's so great. And I thought about that for a moment. I was like, you know, in my life, I had been always trying to increase pleasure or increase joy and happiness. And what I didn't realize until that, that moment, which I then would experiment with, I could create an experiment called eight weeks to appreciation. And what it was, it was systematically removing things from my life. So I would appreciate them more. I cut out alcohol, I cut out TV, I cut out radio, I cut out whatever it was that I thought I might be taking for granted, I cut it out. All it would take is for globally, for our electricity to go out for 30 days around the world, for people to spend the next 
few years um, ingratitude of electricity. <laughs> People will be walking around going, I'm so grateful for light. I'm so grateful for heat. <laughs> right? It's like, we take it for granted. It's like, it's always going to be here. It's just that, you know, that's what it is. But, and that's what we have to be careful of is this, um, this, this, this mindset of taking things for granted. And I think that gratitude is the cure for that. I love it. I, I think it's, it's actually, I don't know if I actually created an episode on this or I wanted to create an episode on this, but um, it's definitely something that uh, is very strong and it's awesome that you were able to do this, uh, to go through this exper- experiment because I know, for instance, at, at one point, uh, something broke in the house and we weren't able to use the shower and the washing machine uh, for a while. and when you when you're not able to to do those simple things you realize oh my god it's so amazing to be able to take a shower <laughs> right. or to totally. to wash your clothes it's wow yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's i i can definitely relate and uh, usually contrast is something that helps us quite a lot in gratitude like for instance when you go out and it's very cold outside when you come back home it's like oh my god it's so good here (laughs) but if you're all day long you're at home and it's warm you just don't realize it anymore and it's so true yeah but when uh, when it comes to gratitude like what experience in your life does it uh, uh, make you think about like when when has been the first time that you actually felt gratitude experienced it like really on a profound level, whether personally or you saw someone experiencing it? Well, what just came to my heart was that when I was about 17 or 18 years old, I I crashed a car and I was speeding around this, this corner and I... Yeah, I lost control of the car and ran it into a big electrical box. And, um, you know, it, it, it could have been very, very serious. But luckily, myself and my two friends walked away from it. And I'll, I'll never forget my dad saying to me, he goes, the only difference between you and I having this conversation at our kitchen table and you and I having this conversation when you're behind bars in jail is that somebody wasn't walking or driving down the road in the opposite direction when you lost control of your car because um, you would have killed them. And that was the first moment I felt, I remember a deep sense of gratitude for the outcome of that moment and, and the pain that I imagined feeling if I would have taken someone's life. And I'll never forget that feeling. Um, I'm grateful for that comment that my dad gave me because uh, I was grateful to be safe. I was grateful other people were safe. I remember feeling like this deep sense of like, oh my gosh, I really dodged a bullet there. And um, I realized I wasn't in control of everything and that my selfish actions could really hurt somebody. And I still get selfish from time to time. I, you know, I might even be more than time to time. I might be selfish often, but I really work hard at, at uh, getting into a space where um, I'm of service to people. Um, and I think that moment taught me that my life could be used as a weapon or, or a source of healing and love and energy. 
Wow, that that's really deep, and it's wonderful how you responded to it. And uh, I think I uh, don't want to defend you in any way, but I think that was a really uh, non-egotical way of uh, taking it in and uh, of realizing and actually to feel gratitude for the fact that you that you you walked away with just that it takes takes some maturity and some uh, really deep understanding of life i i love that and um speaking of your dad um who are the people in your life that you're grateful for right now uh first person that comes to mind is my wife tatiana she has taught me a lot even in the last 90 days of our life i'm so grateful for her loving spirit and this uh this wise soul that lives within her i'm i'm really grateful for her and how she's helped me become a better man uh, in my family i'm grateful for my children i'm really grateful for tiger who's 8 and ocean who's 3 these boys have such beautiful souls and they're they're got this wild boy energy uh, they're fun they keep me on my toes they teach me about life. They challenge me to be patient. Um, and they bring out my, I want to, you know, you could easily say they bring out my worst. But what that, what that means to me is they show me how much room I have to grow as a man in order to lead and serve the Roman family. So I'm grateful for, for all of the Romans that I have the privilege of being with, including my two puppies. One of them is behind me right now. Yeah, um, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Chilling on the couch back there. But that's, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really grateful for my family. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for so many people. Like, uh, it makes me want to just continue with my best friends, my top eight, my people in the charity. There's so many people that I'm truly grateful for. But the one thing that I have to recognize is that for a while, I thought of myself as a businessman with a family until I was reminded that I'm a family man with a business. And actually, when I realized that uh, I was a family man with a business, that's when my business changed. And I started Front Row Dads and we started, you know, uh, an online community for dads who want to learn about emotional mastery and time management, communication, marriage, and all those things. And, you know, we started the membership program and and the live retreats. That was when my life really started to change. You know, it was was that piece of recognizing that what I'm really truly grateful for is my family and knowing that if you ask most older men or women who are family, you know, men and women, they'll tell you that it goes by so fast and that the key is to be grateful for all the moments and all the stages of life. And that to me is, is really the key, right? Is grateful for all the stages because one day, you know, I, I've, I've said for years and years that one day these days will be the good old days. You know, one day we'll be looking back saying, you know, those were the good old days and we need to recognize that now. Exactly. That's so wise and, I, I, and so strong because we, indeed, we all always think that sometimes in the future, sometime in the future, it, that will happen. Um, but in, indeed, these days are amazing the way they are and uh, having gratitude and appreciation for them is is the right attitude to have and is the best way to to live them mm-hmm. because we this is what we have we have the present moment and uh, it's it's just amazing as long as we we enjoy it and as long as we feel it in its fullness so 
thank you so much for uh, everything that you've shared here. Uh, where can our audience find you? Where can our audience see your work? Uh, the audience can download two free chapters of the book if they want to connect further oh, awesome. at frontrowfactor.com and uh, get a little sample, check it out, see if it calls to your heart. So frontrowfactor.com has all the goods. If you're out there listening and you're a dad and you think that uh, a group of men who can give you strategies and ideas and support would be great for you. Then uh, that is available at frontrowfactor.com as well. Um, and, uh, and other resources to help you to stay focused on living a front row life. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with us and for sharing everything that you've shared. Thank you. Nyan. Thanks for having me. Hey, one, one last thing also yeah. is I want to tell you, that I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you. Because I deeply believe that we're all connected and that you're shaping a world that my boys are growing up in. So you're creating yes. <laughs> a space that my kids will experience. And I deeply believe that you're having a direct impact on my family. So thank you. Thank you. That's, that's amazing. And it's really touching. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. Help us reach our goal of inspiring 100,000 people by sharing this podcast with your loved ones, with your Facebook friends. And if you loved this episode, please write a review on iTunes. Search for the Gratitude Podcast.